been a few weeks since the Cox family has been at Echo. We've been traveling and sick a little bit, so we got to spend a little time in Florida as a family, and um, I struggled to even come back because it's my favorite place to be. And uh, then we had a little illness, and then on top of that, the last few weeks from a from a back-to-back Cincinnati, which is where, where I work, of working with vulnerable youth in, in Cincy, it has been a heavy couple of weeks. It has been an overwhelming, you can call it warfare, you can call it just life, you can say it's just this perfect storm of pressure around youth and children from hard places. It has been a significantly crazy time, and we're all just about to be knocked over by wind, right? Like just, just coming through. It has been a couple of weeks filled with hard stories. Stories of neglect, stories of hunger, stories of abuse, stories of inappropriate behavior from employees with youth. It's been, if, if it can happen, it's happened around us. And I feel at the end of every day, the weight of that, not that I'm in charge or not that I'm even going home with some of the children or youth that we serve, but that there's something that happened before any of this mess happened. We're dealing with the fallout of something that happened before, and it may have happened to the child, it may have happened to a parent, it may have happened to a great-grandparent, but it built this belief system around how we experience life that created a scenario where there was chaos, where a child that I care about was getting sent home again from school, again, where fights break out, where a perpetual amount of weed is smoked in public places and you get in trouble. There's something that happened, but it wasn't the thing that we actually needed to deal with. It was the behavior that was a response to something else. And I find that that's not just true for the hard places that I work in, but it's true for every aspect of my life. That there are things that have happened that are influencing the things that are happening. And there are some of those things that we find very easy to talk about in a church context. And then there are other things that we don't talk about very often. And today we're going to have a conversation around the, maybe the the belief system that we have established around the church that some things are spiritual and God deals with those. But there are other aspects of our life that we just have to figure it out. Versus the belief system that said Jesus' approach as Savior is to approach the wholeness of creation and to save all of it. To redeem heaven and earth. To redeem humanity and the world that we live in. To bring into his presence and to reconcile back to him all of the ecology around us, all of it. That word ecology actually has a a Greek root. It comes from the word oikos, which is house. So it's the idea, it's it's the study of relationships of organisms between one another and the world that they exist in, right? So we're an organism. It's not only the study of us as an organism, but also within the land that we live in and the other organisms that are around us. For some of us, the only organisms around us are other people. For others of us, we have these things called pets, and I, we can't work that out today because I can't figure out why we have them. But for some reason, we do, 
And for some reason, they help things. And I'm not sure what yet, but my family really likes ours. And then there's also the land that we live on. There's the streets that we walk. There is the experiences that we have. And at times, we look at Jesus as the reconciler of the relationship between us and him. So us as an organism versus him as the creator of organism. But we don't necessarily invite him into the reconciliation of organisms between each other and the land that we live on. And if we get rid of the word organism and we go back to the Greek, are we allowing Jesus to reconcile my house and your house with the neighborhood that these houses live in? Or do we try to reconcile our own lives to God and we ignore the trash of broken relationships and broken houses and broken creation around us as we try to fix ourselves. I always notice when there's trash. I don't know why, but I always see trash. I took a trip to Mexico a couple of years ago. We're doing a retreat. We're on the side of a mountain. We have all of these things, and we have trash bags, but we have no trash cans. And as we're going in and eating the first meal, I noticed that everything is on styrofoam that we're eating from. And everything is going into the trash can. The trash cans are starting to overflow. And we hadn't assigned that relationship of person to trash can at the retreat. So I see it and I think, I will just take care of it. And so I bag up this overflowing trash can and I push down all of the styrofoam and it starts to make that crackling noise. And you're like, and I look in and I'm thinking, this is disgusting. Like what we leave on plates is really disgusting. What we leave in cups, really gross. Why am I touching it? For strangers. But it needed to be done. And so I bag it up. And as I bag it up and I tie it off, I've never been to this camp before. So I have no idea now to where to put the trash bag. So I'm carrying around these two big black hefty bags. And I walk through the kitchen and I say, where are we putting this? And the director of the camp is standing in the kitchen and he says, just set it outside the door. That's where we leave it. And I look outside the door and I set the trash bags down and then I look up and I see a post with a chain to it. And there's nothing at the end of the chain, but I recognize what would live at the end of that chain would be a dog. I'm like, huh, interesting. Trash bags next to place where these directors chain up their dog when they chain up their dog. Not our place to decide whether or not we chain dogs. But I look at it and I'm like, really? Like, this is where we put the trash? Is next to the, like, there's food for a dog and water right there. This seems not to work well together. I'm guessing dogs smell food in trash bags and rip them open. But I look at that and I was like, here? And he said, yeah, right there. Just leave it there. That's where we pick it up. Well, by the end of one day at a retreat, there were like 18 bags of trash there because styrofoam is the love language of these children for some reason I don't everything was styrofoam and it was just getting put in bags after bag after bag and I would tell people the trash goes outside it goes around the corner and others would walk in and go are there dogs there I haven't seen them yet so maybe there used to be and there aren't anymore but you could see other staff saying I I think the trash bags next to the I don't know that this is going to work out well and again, one of the other staff asked the director, are you sure that's where the trash goes? Yeah, yeah, that's where the trash goes. The day goes well. The night goes well. We do all of the security checks. Everyone's in their bed. We walk past the trash bags. We still haven't seen any dogs on this day. 
And then about three o'clock in the morning, I start hearing howls and noises. And my first thought was to the two staff who had decided not to sleep in the dorms, but they wanted to be super cool on the side of the the mountain and put enos outside. And I'm like, I hope they make it. I'm not going to go check, but I hope that works out well for them. And we continue to hear these noises, and then all of a sudden you hear, the, you hear the howls of something that lives on this mountain, and then you hear the response of the dog saying, don't come here. I'm like, oh, there are dogs. And they're here to protect whatever's on the camp from whatever's howling and wanting to eat whatever's on the camp. This will be interesting. And we wake up the next morning, and everyone goes to breakfast, and once again the trash is overflowing, and so we pack up a trash bag and go to take it outside and as we take it outside there it all is a nice garden of styrofoam every bag had been ripped into all the styrofoam was laying all over the camp all over the place and it felt odd at the moment because as I look at all the styrofoam I hear worship start upstairs it's like all the students are starting this worship thing where we're going to be worshiping Jesus here and all the trash is out here. So I walk over to our team and say, hey, remember how I told you we have to say yes until we can't here? I've got one of those moments for you. We have to go outside and repack all the trash because all the bags are open and it's everywhere. And no, we don't have any rubber gloves. We didn't think to bring those. And so our entire team is out like just daintily trying to take each piece of trash and like put it in a trash bag and they've got like the nose that says this is disgusting and we're picking trash up together and we're putting it back in a trash bag because it was easy to see and we knew that we needed to fix it. Even though we thought it might happen, we didn't know for sure, we held back a little bit, we didn't ask enough questions and we ended up picking up trash twice. But it was kind of easy to pick up because we could see it. It's a whole lot harder for all the trash that we have in our own lives that we can't see. The trash bags that are hidden. The stuff that we're not really dealing with. It's easy to say, don't put trash bags next to dogs. It's hard to question the leader when he says, no, that's where I want it. It's harder to pick up other people's trash. It's even harder to know what's going on when you can't see it on the outside. But I think there's a way that God is reconciling all of this back because he shows us our trash and he wants us to pick it up in all things. Not just in the worship room that's upstairs. Colossians chapter 1 starts in verse 15 it says he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things were created by him and for him he is the before all things and in him all things hold together He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that everything, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
This, this statement from Paul is really heavy and you could, we could spend days working through all that is said here. But here's the overview. Paul is wanting to make sure that this church at Colossae, in which he has never visited, but has heard about from one of his disciples who did go to Colossae and shared the gospel, that things are getting weird there. That there's this misunderstanding of whether or not Jesus was created by God or Jesus is God. Does Jesus fit in with one of the Roman gods that were worshipped in that place? Is this a mysterious God? There were all types of questions around who Jesus was as a God, and so Paul is not only wanting to illustrate the power of who Jesus is in creating this new kingdom and new movement, but he's also wanting to get rid of any belief systems that would, ha- that would just be natural at the time. To say, no, he's not created by a God. He was the God in the beginning before all things were created. He's not saying that God the Father created him. He's saying that he was with and one of God the Father as all things were created. He didn't just create people, he created all of it. But the most important part that is our focus for this morning is that at no point in this, in this place does God illustrate that his creation is just humanity and that salvation or redemption is only tied to people. But it's a reconciliation of all things broken, all things thrown away, all things misplaced, all things destroyed. That it's an aspect of understanding that creation is key to the reconciliation that Jesus brought through the cross. But that creation is not key as just the place where we reconcile with one another. But that these places of reconciliation will be safe spaces for us to reconcile with one another. It's hard to reconcile when you're standing in trash. It's hard to reconcile when the dogs are ripping the bags open. It's hard to reconcile when you're not sure what's broken. But if Jesus came to reconcile all things, what is it exactly that he came to reconcile? What is it that he wanted to work together? Is it just the spirituality of ourselves? That's, that's how I grew up. I grew up with the idea that Jesus' real job as the reconciler was to keep me out of hell. I don't know if you grew up in that vein or that understanding of church or were just one step away from it. But I remember over and over having these revivals or even these youth events that were held at big places and there was this idea and at times even ministers would would pound that idea like if you spent the church this morning you are outside of the will of God and you need to check yourself and make sure that you're going to heaven and that that's what Jesus's role as reconciler was was keep me out of hell forever not keep me in rhythm with God from now on to forever. And it was this safety thing for me as a reconciler. There were other times that I could hear teachings of Jesus as reconciler was just to take all your trash away. Like you will accept him, confess him, you will go into that water and you will go down dirty and you will come out clean. And all of it will be gone. The problem was that kept happening to my friends and even to myself and we still had anger problems and my friends' marriages were still a wreck and our relationships with others were still in crisis and we're questioning whether or not the water worked. Did we need soap next time? Like what, are we supposed to do baptism and communion like double fist them and 
did we get it wrong? And so we go back and question whether or not we accepted Jesus the correct way because our belief of him as reconciler is built on a foundation that he's just saving us from ourselves and then either taking all of the guilt away or he's just preparing us for an eternity and we're still just going to go through life and just deal with it and deal with it and deal with it. Instead, what if this passage, what if, what if what Paul is trying to get across to us is the idea that it all has to work congruently together? What makes up the whole? What makes up everything? We've been studying that at Back to Back for years. We started as a mission organization internationally just going and meeting physical need. We would drop into a place and we would just say, feed, feed, feed. Bring food, bring shelter. Bring food, bring shelter. We really started with physical needs. And most organizations agree that physical need is part of our existence to to clothe us to house us even driving in this morning as I got off the exit there was a big sign on one of those digital billboards that says I used to be your neighbor and it was a a website to donate toward getting homeless men and women off of the streets in Cincinnati there's this idea around us that the physical need is there and we started meeting physical needs like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then we jumped in on educational needs. We thought intellect matters, right? Part, part of our person is our in, intellect, our, our thoughts, our education, our understanding of how the world works and what we can do with it. And we started attacking all of these educational needs around us with the children that we worked and even with the caregivers and the adults and, and parents. We're thinking, okay, we, you're fed and you're educated. Should be a good equation for success, but we're a church-based organization and we believe in Jesus. So then we're like, yeah, but, but we got to sprinkle some Jesus into that too. So we start doing retreats and we start doing camps and we're like, all right, we're meeting physical need. We're going to meet this educational need and we're going to meet this spiritual need. Voila, we have solved the orphan crisis. Except it didn't work. It didn't work at all. We had youth that trusted us. We had youth that found Jesus. We had youth that were going to school. We had youth with clothes. We had youth being fed. We even created a nutritional plan for all of our sites. And our groups stopped taking candy bars to give to kids while they were on mission trips and started taking fruit. We started the physical and the educational and the spiritual. And I've been in two or three meetings recently where leaders of nonprofit organizations have said, I hate to say this, but Jesus isn't enough. Like, really? What do you mean by that? Like, well, we, we got trust in the neighborhood by meeting a physical need. We built a relationship um, by offering after-school tutoring program. We talk about Jesus all the time, and people and, and these students know Jesus, and they're being baptized, but they're still failing. They're still empty. They're still getting kicked out of class and suspended and running away, finding addictions. Like Jesus isn't enough. And so as a group, we started to say, well, maybe we've just gotten Jesus wrong. Maybe there's more to Jesus. And we were missing two components, the social community. Am I known and loved? Do I belong? Am I assigned to this program or do I belong to this community of people? Am I greeted because Dylan told me to greet people or am I greeted because I'm welcome here and people know me? Right? That, there's a difference. 
There's a difference between assigned community and identification and longing and belonging. We started to add that communal aspect. And then a few years ago, the idea that we all are emotional beings and Jesus is trying to get the, to the heart of what has happened and why we are protective, why we're closed off, why we run away, why we throw punches, why we freeze. What has happened to us emotionally? What shame are we carrying? What wounds do we have? Because this organization that I work for decided to believe that Jesus was reconciling all things. And it wasn't until we started to get into the emotion and the shame that we started to realize, I don't care about the dogs in the trash because I don't care about myself. I don't have margin to deal with that because I can't deal with me. So the conversation changed to ask questions about what happened, what are we carrying, and what isn't whole for you? What is it that Jesus wants to reconcile? Is it something physical for you? Is something broken? Jesus wants to reconcile it. Is there something intellectual that you're struggling with? Is there a belief system that you're like, I just don't know truth about this. I just don't understand it. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand if this is true, how that could be true. Jesus wants to reconcile it. He is in the things of our mind. Is there something spiritual going on for you that there was an opportunity to believe that Jesus could just heal something? heard that a few times this week. It was a significant loss to a family friend. And I heard several times, Jesus, if you could raise Lazarus, you could raise this. And there's a weight of spirituality. There's a brokenness around their spirituality that's wondering and questioning, is our faith not strong enough? Is Jesus not real enough? Why would Jesus resurrect a grown man and not a 10-year-old girl? There's some spiritual weight that's in there. And Jesus says, I will reconcile this pain and this problem with you. But it's going to change your belief system. Community. Do you have some trash in that area? Are you lonely? Are you empty? Have you started questioning whether or not you're good enough? If you question whether or not God made you the right way, if you question whether or not you're accepted, have you questioned why other people have friends and you don't? Have you questioned why you have so many friends and you can't entertain all of them at the same time? Have you questioned your exhaustion? Have you questioned whether or not you've created a fake persona of yourself just to please others? This social aspect of our lives, Jesus is saying, let me reconcile all things for you. Let me reconcile community. Let me reconcile relationships. Let me reconcile your houses to one another. And what about that stuff that happened to you when you were a kid? What about that shame that you've carried as a professional? And what about that relationship that just hasn't worked out? And what about that bondage that you've felt because you've tried to prove yourselves to someone who hasn't been there? And I do the same. 
What about that? Does Jesus get to reconcile that? I think the plan for all of it is the same. But in this room, some of us are struggling with different pieces of it. And sometimes we want to address the physical when actually the root of it is the emotional. And sometimes we want to address the community part or the social part when in reality the question is about the spiritual. So I can't say for us today what our issues are in how we interact with each other and how we interact with the land. But what I can say is that we can start identifying the ecology of our church and start to recognize the need and be able to transform it. And I think there are five pieces to that. The first one is that we have to name it. Name your trash. Not the symptoms of your trash, but name your trash. Name it. Is it a physical issue that you can't overcome? Is it something that happened to you? Is it tied to your knowledge and understanding? Is it tied to your relationships? Is it tied to your understanding of who God is? Is it tied to shame or wounding that you carry from a past relationship? Name it. And the second thing is to feel it. And I know this is dangerous and this hurts, but we have to feel it. Did you know that tears of pain and sorrow actually carry toxins in them? And you are releasing toxins out of your body when you will cry. Tears of grief and sorrow. Tears are not weakness. Tears are God's way of creating your biology so that you can get the toxins out that shame and trauma bring in. You know that your brain, your body will create toxins and shoot that through your body when you experience something that is not healthy and that needs reconciled. And part of the way that Jesus is reconciling all things is that he says, hey, here's the way I made your tears. Tears of sorrow and grief and pain will release the toxins that whatever happened to you trapped in your body. So maybe to feel it, you need to know that it's okay to cry. And that when the tears come, your body is telling you on behalf of Jesus, you're not over this yet. Let it go. There's nothing wrong with you if you just keep crying for a while. Cry until the tears are gone. Not until you feel like you should be grown up enough not to cry anymore. Just let it go. Because your tears were created by God to release brokenness from your body so that you can heal. But we also have voices, which is why the third aspect of our life, in order when we need to get something out, in order to be whole, we need to share it. How many times have you felt the wounding and the brokenness and believed that the burden of that wounding and that brokenness and that disconnection was yours to fix internally? You didn't want to burden anyone with it. You didn't want to be a responsibility to someone else. You didn't want to hurt a relationship. You felt like fixing this would be harder than speaking about this. No one will understand me. People are tired of hearing from me. All of these things are reasons not to share. But story after story of Jesus interacting with humanity is his invitation to share it. Adulterous woman, share it. Mary and Martha, share it. Woman at the well, share it. Peter, share it. Even Judas was invited to share it. 
at that last table. Jesus was looking at Judas and said, I know you're looking to go do what you're about to do. Invitation. You can tell me about it if you want to. You are free to tell me how you want to go leave and go sell me out. Enter conversation. You can share it. Jesus' way of reconciliation is to share the burdens that we're carrying with one another so that we are not alone, so that we can see truth in the lies, so that we can have comfort in hard times without offering solutions to fix, but we share it so that we can reconcile what is broken and realize that it is not us who are broken. It is the creation that is broken that has influenced us to remain in a brokenness. Creation has been broken and that influences us and so we stay in the brokenness because we believe we are broken. Creation was broken and Jesus promises reconciliation. The fourth, go through it. One of the best things about Jesus and the way that he interacted with humanity, he didn't go around things, he went through them. Storms, hunger, disease, piety and religion, pain, suffering. But he identified the difficulty of going through it in his last moments, in his last prayer. He's saying, if this cup could pass me, God, like, if we could go around this crucifixion thing, I'm still game for that. This is hard. This is painful. Going through it will hurt. And he identified that going through it is hard by expressing to us that even he was raising his hand and going, hey, Father, like, if we could go around this, that'd be dope. But if not, let's go through it. We have to go through the hard things, not around them. But we're also not invited to sit in them and to set up our house and live in the chaos and the pain. How do we go through the issue? How do we go through the suffering? How do we go through the trash? And then the last is to use it. Not to one-up someone else's story, Not to make the attention on us and not someone else. Not to steal from Jesus, but to use it in order to communicate that the brokenness has gotten to us all. That the fall hurt everyone. That creation all around us is all broken. So that it identifies us as one tribe. Longing for one redemption. We use our hard stories by empathizing with those around us. By communicating to others how we got through it because maybe you're the first light to go through the darkness. So this light is going to pave a way. So we use it. And we join Christ in reconciling all things by empathizing and encouraging those who are using their stories too. Who have shared their stories with us who are longing to be in community with those who identify that the world is broken. In this simple little metaphor of a, of a camp in a mountain, there's trash everywhere and a group comes together to clean up the trash. But that's not all that happened because we walked upstairs and the group is saying, where were you? And we're like, we were downstairs because 
the dogs. And the rest of the staff were like, yeah, we wondered about that. Like, were the dogs going to get all the trash? So all of us failed at saying anything about the thing that we all knew we should have addressed. But then things changed. The planning for the next retreat happened. And the whole team, because we had named this problem of like, we, why did we have so much trash? We don't want the dogs in it again. Everyone started to come up with answers. And our graphic designer said, hey, like, you know, I'll, I'll make stickers and put them on these water bottles that this mission team donated that we didn't know what to do with. And guess what? No more styrofoam cups for the students. No more trash. Like, we, not only did we just say, hey, here's a bigger trash can, but we're like, let's just, let's just get rid of the problem. Let's use water bottles instead of styrofoam cups. And then one of our team came over and they were like, hey, I like your coffee cup. I like my coffee cup too. Like, I don't ever go anywhere without it. It's pretty. It keeps everything warm. And he was like, hey, do you think next year we could bring one of these for everyone on staff? Because three-fourths of the coffee cups that are in the trash that are styrofoam are our staff trying to stay awake at the retreat. Good point. And so at this last retreat, we had a couple of staff who recruited all their friends to have Amazon deliver Yetis to my house to throw in my bag to take to Mexico to then say, here, no more styrofoam. And all of our staff, not only did they look and go, that's better than styrofoam, but they looked and said, you have no idea how expensive Yetis are here. This is ridiculous. And they were fighting over the Yetis and protecting them and making sure that their names were written on the bottom of them. And they felt value because we answered one problem and that actually created a solution for another. The whole staff are walking around going, oh, a new staff is here. Do they have a Yeti too? Do you have it? Like, it became this bonding thing where everyone's just walking around all weekend going, look at my Yeti. A coffee cup. It was that simple. And this year, there wasn't really any trash. And instead of my team outside picking up trash and putting it back in a bag, they were hauling water bottles up a mountain to put in a kiddie pool so we could baptize 10 kids. Because dealing with the physical created an opportunity for us to address the spiritual. Name it. What's still hurting in your life? Feel it. Share it with someone this week. Go through it. Let us go through it with you. And then let's use it. Let's be a church that uses our stories of reconciliation so that the world knows it's safe to reconcile. Because Jesus' role on the cross wasn't to just get us into heaven. It was to usher in a new kingdom on this heaven and this earth now and forever. And reconciling the earth to God may be the introduction to reconciling our relationship with him. Let's do these things together this week. And know that this is a safe place for us to live these stories out. And worst case scenario, we'll all just have cool coffee cups. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for reconciling creation around us. And I pray that you give us the courage this week to name what we need to name, to feel what we need to feel, to reconcile to you through what we're experiencing. Please redeem some things that seem impossible. Heal wounds that seem overwhelming. 
bring us food and shelter to share with the world around us and help us show your love through our circumstances. It's in your name we pray. Amen.